Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Coming Soon, Part 4, Fulfill, recorded Sunday, December 19th, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Ready for it? Here it comes. Come on, get jammed up. We're ready to go to Christmas. It's coming soon. It's almost here. That's what Advent means, by the way. Advent means coming. It means, it means right around the corner. That's what it means. And uh, as we roar towards 2022, uh, I hope you're ready. We don't know what it's going to bring. But I will ask you this question, what are you waiting for? I mean, most of us are waiting for something. I mean, especially kids, you say, well, I'm waiting for Christmas. Of course. Who isn't? I mean, it's, it's always amazing to me. Uh, 24th. We, you know, we, we, we go to bed, we wake up the next morning, go out, and there's all these presents under the tree. For 40 years, I've asked Jackie, how does that happen? And she won't tell me. It's amazing to me. It's exciting. We're waiting, though. We're waiting for all sort of, sorts of things. Uh, some of us are waiting for hard things to be done or for them to go away. You know, I, I, if you have a medical issue, you're waiting for a miracle, maybe someone you love. Maybe you're a parent who's waiting for some form of medication to kick in for your child because nothing else has worked and you don't, you don't know how to deal with that, that anxiety. Here in Grand Island, believe it or not, something like 20% of the children in our community are waiting to find out where their next meal's going to come from. We call it food insecurity. And to me, that just blows my mind that that's even an issue. For some of you, you're waiting for rehab to kick in for yourself or for someone that you love because something's got to change. How many times have you said in the last year and a half, when is this pandemic going to be over? I imagine that all of us are waiting for something, some small things some really remarkably big things. And what it's going to require at some level for us is faith to believe that God is in whatever it is that we're longing for and some peace that can calm us down in this frazzled life that pushes us around. The fulfillment of a hope, a dream, as a matter of fact, I would say that many of us, especially in the faith community, we're, we actually say this once in a while, we're waiting for God to come back, for Jesus to return. It's a hope that we have. And yet, you know, it's been 2,000 years since he decided to go away in terms of his physical nature and to leave it up to us until he returns. So I guess that's it, isn't it? We all, you know, in essence, all of us need God to come. All of us at some level. And that's what we're learning from these people and the characters that, that show up in the Gospels and, you know, in Matthew, Mark, in Luke, and in John too. People who, whose lives were turned upside down and, and whose longings were starting to be fulfilled, and yet there was so much to happen yet that they really didn't understand it. And I will say this, all the people we've talked about, Zachariah and Elizabeth, uh, John the Baptist, their son, uh, last week we talked about Joseph. We're going to talk about Mary today. All of those people, their life ended 
and total fulfillment hadn't occurred, just so you know. And we may be that way too. But it takes faith, it takes hope to get through some of the things that life throws at us. All the personalities in the Advent story teach us that while we're waiting for God, he's waiting with us. That's what I want you to know today. Well, you, you, we might say, well, I'm waiting for him to come. Well, he will wait with you. It's an amazing thing about God. He's able to do this. Mary was handpicked by God to carry his son Jesus to birth, to raise him, and understood personally what it meant for God to be with her because he was growing in her, so to speak, with Jesus in her womb. And yet she was waiting for, as all pregnant women do, waiting for him to emerge, for him to be birthed so he could be in the flesh, in, in the life that she was living out. And so here it is. She, he, she gives birth and believe it or not, she changed dirty diapers. And he probably spit up. I'm guessing he did because he's a normal baby. And he had to learn how to crawl and to walk and to talk. And she was an integral part of all of that. And then it all opened up for his life to grow. And, you know, he became a, a child and a teenager and all of those things. And, and you know what? As an adult, he wasn't wowing anybody with fantastic sermons early on, as far as we know. It's never stated, at least, in the Bible. Uh, he wasn't doing any miracles. That wasn't happening. And, I mean, he was making end tables. I mean, that's what he was doing until he was 30 years old. And then 30 hit, and John the Baptist, the man we talked about two weeks ago, started to talk about Jesus. Didn't use his name, but he pointed him out to be the one. He went to be baptized by John. The Holy Spirit came on him. That's what the scripture tells us at that point, 30 years old. And then he started the three-year journey. The, the tour where he set the universe up for the glorious fulfillment of God's promises to be made true. And she watched him set all of this up now. She's, she's his mother. She saw it unfold. And I wonder what she thought. I wonder if she ever thought, I mean, he's a pretty good kid, but the son of God? Or, you know, uh, when are his disciples going to start catching on that, that he's the one and start acting that way? Stop being so faithless. Or don't people see by all these miracles he's doing that, that they can trust him and they don't have to continue to live their lives in fear? Or why don't all these lunkheads that are wearing robes and coming out of the temple, why don't they get him? Why are they keep throwing stink bombs in every turn at, at his ministry? Or what is it about the government that is pushing back on this peaceful, loving God who wants to change the world. Mary finds herself at the foot of the cross, and I have no idea what she was thinking in the moment. Was she waiting for it all to end in some miraculous turn of events where the real Father God will now throw lightning bolts down on top of the hill and, and, and save him from the ultimate death that it's, that's eminent and change it all and then he becomes the king that walks off the hill into the temple and takes over and everybody falls in line and, and you know, and her life changes too. I don't know. Contrary to all the pious statues and paintings of Mary, I can't imagine that she wasn't at some level of complete disbelief and grief on her knees 
at the foot of that cross. And I think at some level we share that. Meaning this, contrary to our happy face emojis, I can't imagine that some of us aren't in just silent despair thinking, this is not how it was supposed to be. This is not what I signed up for. I mean, I went to school. I did my, I did my work. I worked hard so I could get that scholarship. I, I, I did well at, at college. And now I'm working here doing this. Or I thought that if I ate right and exercised, I would stave off this kind of disease. This isn't how it's supposed to be. I followed all the rules. Or I have the job. I have the house. I have the family. Why am I feeling so unfulfilled? Why am I feeling so empty? This isn't how it's supposed to be. We find ourselves in the position that possibly Mary found herself in, waiting for something and at the same time longing for something else or something to be fulfilled. So, and it's confusing. It's, it's, it seems unlikely. It, in, in her case, it got to the point where it probably seemed very impossible that he truly was the God who was going to save humanity. I mean, it'd be hard to, to believe that, I believe, at that cross. So there's some gifts that we can get from Mary. As we enter into this most wonderful time of the year, we call it the, the Christmas week, a couple gifts that I want to suggest that she offers us. And we're going to read from Luke chapter 126 to open these gifts up. So here we go. It's in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. That's John the Baptist's mother. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. That's where Mary lived. She's a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, talked about him last week, a descendant of David. Her name was Mary. An angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of God Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. That's why we're talking about him today, because his kingdom is going on today. We can be a part of that kingdom. You and I can be in his kingdom today. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Good question. Some of the things, by the way, we talk about in here, sometimes children have to be helped with. So this and maybe some other things I'm going to say today, parents, it's on you, okay? Where am I? Oh, yeah. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, John the Baptist. And, and she, who it was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. She's a little ahead of you. And then look at this little verse. And maybe this is one you put in your memory bank. Like if you have cups and magnets and 
you put cards on your bathroom window or, or mirror, I should say. You'll probably not have a window in your bathroom. Bathroom mirror. This would be a really good verse for you to put up there. For no word from God will ever fail. I like hearing that. I am the Lord's servant, she answered. May your word be fulfilled, she said. And the angel left her. A gift. A gift from God. Mary, you're favored. God has a gift for you in this too. Here's the first thing. God offers favor when fear mocks you. That's what he said. Don't be afraid. That's easy to say. I mean, when you're waiting for something to happen and it's a slow go or a no go, how many of you are good at worst case scenario? Anybody here just like you're really good at, like you might say your spiritual gift is worst case scenarioing. I mean, anybody? To immediately find the potentially most negative thing and live in that? Probably nobody here. For example, this is where you might put your hands over your kids' ears. Uh, you, you decide to take the plunge and book a Disneyland experience at one of the parks. And at first you're like, this is going to be sweet. Pirates of the Caribbean, it's a small world, uh, Epcot and all that stuff, whatever that is, whatever it is, right? Crazy good stuff, right? But then you start to WCS it, worst case scenario. Are masks required? And someone says, did you know this? That literally hundreds of people, their, their, their remains are in the Disneyland park. So you know this? Like, like people, you know, have their ashes scattered all over the park. I mean, it's true. That's a true thing. And then did you know that Cinderella's castle is made out of fiberglass and there's no rooms in it? Did you know this? Okay, it's not real. Okay, I'm sorry to tell you this, but it's true. It's not real. It's just it's like a huge prop. Did you know that sunglasses go to the Disney theme parks to die? Like, they, they find 200 pairs plus every day. It's a great place to get some sunglasses if you know somebody, I guess. And, and, and by the way, I'm just going to break it to you. I got to just say it full front. Did you know the Beatles broke up at Disneyland? Yeah, that's right. The happiest place in the world. The Beatles couldn't handle it because they weren't Christians. That's why they couldn't handle it. Anyway, <laughs> we live in a culture that cycles fear. For instance, I have a cough. Now, look, don't put that on Facebook, okay? You never, you want to you have the world come down on top of you? Just put on Facebook, I have this cough. You'll have everything from the government caused it. It's like the scientific community that created it, and now you, or it'll be the other extreme. You know, it'll be just like, uh, you know, it's just like you better, you, you know, you're, you're dead. It's over. They got little skulls and crossbones everywhere, you know? Fear. And look, WCSing makes us neurotic as a nation. Like, like it drives us into extremities. Extreme paranoia. Extreme isolation. Extreme medication. Governments become tyrannical in these kinds of circumstances. Parents become way overprotective. We just do because we're parents. Now, I think all by, on the other side of that, it offers us, people who have faith, an opportunity to show something different to a world that's, that's in a pandemic of fear. I think it gives us an opportunity to open up hope to people who have not had hope for a long time. 
to, to you know, as God's people, the, the church, I'm an advocate of the church. I think the church is the hope of the world. I believe this. That as God's people, we can be the people in the place where fear is calmed by how we love people. The angel's words to Mary, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Those words are for us. We, are, we have found favor with God. And, and there's five things that Mary did to have favor with God. Ready? You might want to write these down. These are, these, are, these are crazy good. Five things she did to find favor with God. Ready? Here they go. Nothing, 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 nothing. He came and he gave favor. But very often what I find is that my hopelessness is more often about my cynicism than God's abilities. It doesn't take any effort for me to be cynical. It doesn't take any effort for me to be a non-believer. It doesn't take any courage for me to be afraid. It takes zero effort for me to roll my eyes about everything that's happening around me and say, eh, nothing's ever going to change anyway, so I guess I don't have to worry about it. Or to just live in fear and anxiety because I can't change anything. It takes no effort to live in anxiety. None. Let me ask you. Does the world need another downer with a cynical voice living in fear and waiting for the next shoe to fall? I would say no. Please no. The world needs people who are willing to take a courageous step forward and say, I am your servant, God. Let it be as you have, have said. That's this Mary, this great, great person. This teenage girl probably who just, my goodness, she just knocks it out of the park, doesn't she? Now, by the way, you have the Holy Spirit in your life too. She had God's Spirit coming to her to tell her things and then her, Jesus was in her, literally, and in her life for the rest of her life. But you have God's Holy Spirit if you're a believer. So, you, you know, what do people need from you? They need you to bring God with you in these circumstances. And when someone's afraid, you come and calm the fear because you have hope. You know, when you're with somebody who's sick and, and afraid, you bring the hope that Jesus brings in those kinds of circumstances. He's a healer. He's a healer. If, if you know, you know someone who's incarcerated, they're lonely. They're probably shaming a little bit. Bring the good news that their future's found in Jesus. And that, you know, that they have nothing to fear if they'll trust him. It's true. I mean, what do kids whose lives are broken by broken homes need? Do they need another iPhone? Do they need another video game? I don't think so. They need the hope that comes from the truth that God loves them unconditionally, even when broken humans can't do that all the time. The angel of God looked Mary in the face and, he, and the angel said, do not be afraid because God has called you to this. You can do this. And little did she know that would mean a lifetime of reassessing and adjusting to that calling until the very moment when Jesus saved all of us on that hill called hell, Golgotha. And what did she do? She waited for fulfillment. That's what she did. Here's a question. If you were going to rewind the last month regarding your demeanor, your attitude, I mean, it's hard, but think about it. You analyze those, 
this last month? I mean, what, what, what did you tweet? What did you message? What kind of emojis were you throwing out there? I mean, what kind of frustrations did you, did you spew out, you know? I mean, would people find that, that you were tired and world-weary? Would they find that you've allowed anxiety and fear to dictate the mood that you are carrying out in real time? I mean, because that is just playing into the enemy who mocks God and mocks your faith when you live that way. Because he offers you a different kind of gift. He offers you fulfillment, and he wants you to live in that fulfillment. Here's another gift. He offers certainty when there's confusion. Because when we're waiting for something, our first instinct is probably to be afraid that it's not going to come. The second instinct is just to live in confusion. And I think God understands us pretty well, really, you know, better than anyone else, obviously. He understands when we're hurt. He understands when we're broken. He understands when we're, when we're losing it. He, he sees it. He, he knows it more than anyone else, right? He wants to deal with you, though, not on the outside, but on the inside. That's how God works. He didn't just enter into our world. He entered into your life. And he wants to be in your life more so than any other person in your life. See, I think oftentimes what I want is I want clarity based on my circumstances. He gives me clarity based on his character. He makes that awesome and underquoted promise to Mary, the one I mentioned earlier to go on your, on your memory card, for no word from God will ever fail. I mean, think about what she's going to go through. It's a good thing she didn't know. good thing she didn't have a spreadsheet. It's a good thing she didn't have like a backdated planning schedule to look forward. I don't think she would have done it. Who would? I mean, it's crazy. But here's what faith is. Faith is not, Jesus, tell me how it's going to work out. I'll go then. That's not faith. Look in the dictionary. Faith is, I believe in you, and it's going to work out. Pure, pure and simple. That's it. it. It's like whatever, I don't know what you're, you may have the worst circumstances imaginable, and I don't know about it. I am telling you, it's going to work out if you go with God, if you let him go with you. See, out of these experiences, that is when, it's when we step into the darkest places, that is when the coming of God is coming not just to us, but through us. And then ministry happens through us to others. One of the underthought things about Mary I think, and, under, and misunderstood things, is that she was just like, like in the coattails of Jesus moving through this, this crazy scenario of the Son of God being her son and then ultimately saving all of us. I think the thing about her is she was ministering to people all the time because she understood it at some level that, in ways that no one else did. She was a minister to others. And she walked through these dark valleys, not just because she was in them, but because she was going to come through them and help others. And I think the ones who find out one day that their life could have been changed for the next or the people, you know, these are people who like, you have a sudden death, a death of your spouse or, you know, someone, you know, like a child or a parent. And, you know, you just, it's just, just devastating. Or you have this, sudden loss in some other ways. Maybe it's a job or your health. It could be a financial crisis that's not going anywhere soon. 
something that's happened to you. And, and the ones who have the lifetimes of challenges with, for instance, a child who needs special care. Or the ones who lived their whole life with some form of physical limitation, some disease that just didn't go away. Some of you who just every day, day after day, trust God for the next minute of your life. To me, that describes Mary the best. I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of things that happen to people, and I can't explain them, and I'm certainly not going to defend them. There are those whose childhood Christmas was, wasn't precious, in the way that you might think is precious because you make it all it can be for your kids. No, for them, it was another day waking up in the instability of, an, of, a, of, a, of a crisis-ridden home where there was a, you know, a substance abuser or maybe two of them or maybe nobody was there to parent them, but they just had to lean on God. And today, they don't do, you know, nobody does Christmas better than they do. You know what I'm saying? That could be you. I am convinced that one of the reasons Jesus hasn't yet returned again is because he loves working through people like you. You bring hope to others. You're the one who lives God with us every day. I don't know. Here's the deal. Fulfillment comes... When Jesus fills you. And he tells us how that happens. His, his word's clear on this. It's first believing that he exists, that Jesus did do what the Bible says Jesus did. God came into the midst. He came to be with us in the flesh. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't an aberration. He was a human being. He came in. He did it perfectly. I don't know how he did it, but he did he did this human thing perfectly without sin. And then he jumped on board with God to go to that cross. And we have an opportunity to say yes or no to that. Did he do it or not? What does your heart do? What does your mind do? What does your brain do with that? But there's more. He didn't just die for us. He was raised for us. He did that. Him coming doesn't mean just that he came. It means that he's here, and it means he's coming back. That's called faith. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how it's going to look. I may not be here for that aspect. I don't know. I'm on, the, I'm on the welcoming committee, not the planning committee. I'm just going to wait and see how it works. But I do know this. That's faith. And I have to respond to that if I want to have fulfillment. If he's going to fill me, I yield to him. I repent of my sins, because I have some. I'm baptized into Christ. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I walk forward with him day after day, one step at a time, just like his mother did. That's what it means. Lord, as we uh, commune today, we're going to remember and we're going to celebrate you coming in. God who put on flesh. It's amazing. It's a miracle. You did it. I believe it. God who let his flesh be destroyed by the sins of mankind, mine included. A God so powerful that he was raised from the dead on the third day to obliterate our sin and to give us hope for eternity. And you, Jesus, who's going to return 
and one thing right all the wrongs, to make all things new and give us a place in that newness for eternity. We celebrate that as we commune today. Thank you, Jesus. Only you can make that happen. Amen. I don't know. I, I always, you know, I'm ready to come back out. We call this the more moment. And it uh, seems like God's always just working overtime in me as I'm thinking about this moment and what to say. And I just try to be open and honest to God about my complete inability to say the right things most of the time. And I hope it helps. I don't know. First of all, uh, that, that song we just sang really moves us to think about what it is that God became the light that changed everything in this world. And, and I will say to you that uh, I've, I've always loved Christmas. I love the sights and the sounds and the, all the, the fun that comes into this moment, if you'll live in the fun a little bit. And, but the bottom line is we also put a lot of expectations on ourselves, and because of that, we put some on others. And it can tend to create a real chaos for us in our lives, those expectations. And I just want to encourage you, dial it back. Take some time this week and listen to God, God who is here. He's, he's fulfilled the promises and will continue to do so until he finishes it out. You don't need to worry about that. I mean, we, we put so much emphasis on that day, December 25th, like somehow we're going to make that day the day of ultimate fulfillment. Why not find fulfillment of the one who will journey with us up to that day and will go with us from that day and live our lives in a way that brings hope in whatever despair this world thrusts on us? This is why he came. And he came just to do it for you. He came to do it through you. The peace that he gives is a peace we give to each other. The hope that he brings you is the hope we share with the helpless. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. That's why you're still breathing. That's why you haven't gone anywhere. And that's why he hasn't come back. Now he's coming back. But until then, let's be the people who live in fulfillment and show others the way to have it themselves. It's, it's a day-in, day-out thing but it's possible because he's with us. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.